Welcome. This is the Love Works Here podcast. I'm Sean York. I'm Hannah Gorham. And today we are on episode seven, accountability. Everything is built on accountability. I can't decide if this is going to be my favorite or my least favorite episode. This, just going through building the outline for this, this has been a really tough outline to draw on. We actually are in the business and we're talking about the business, which sounds easy. That's a lot of pressure. But the fact is like, Tomorrow morning, we'll go into work, and what we've realized is people have started to listen to this that you work with. Shout out to Fallon, who just stopped me to tell me in the office. That's pretty cool. (laughs) What did she say? She said, well, she said she wanted to tell you, but that she stumbled across it. It came up in like her suggested podcasts or something like that. Wow. Referenced watching us. Well, I had at one time, just to show you like, to to, to explain how real this is, uh, one time we did an episode, we uploaded it. And it talked about complimenting team members or something like that. And the next morning, I one of the first things, I said, oh, you're awesome to a team member. And Stephen McCary said something and quoted me from the podcast that had just uploaded that morning. And I, it was just this realization of like, if I was making stuff up or if this was just in theory, I have to make sure that it like is real in the business. We have to own up to every word. And they, they, these stories have to be real. We're talking about culture. And if we're not honest, if, if this stuff isn't really living out in our business, it will destroy our culture. Definitely. You know, total transparency and accountability on me in how I run the business. So... It's been very challenging just having this podcast just in the last like three months has i but it's a challenge that I love because I, in the end it will grow me it, it makes me be more honest to the people that I work with so and that I'm here to serve well that said this is episode seven accountability I love my job high volume fast food 160 employees it is a pressure cooker and it gets crazy but I truly believe that it's possible to build a business where everyone loves their job. It sounds impossible, and when I first started this business, it was. I'm not the extrovert or the social butterfly. I'd rather be building systems and crunching numbers on Excel. But I decided to stop making excuses of why I couldn't and start utilizing my love for systems to build a better culture. Today, I call it the York Framework, but it's really just a collection of systems designed to make a better workplace and make people happier. I'm going to share all the mistakes I've made so that you don't have to make them, and we'll look for new problems to solve along the way. I'm Sean York, and love works here. So about three years into the business, I had a really tough encounter, and it was one of the most stressful, heart-wrenching times, and that is in the business when I have to part ways, when I realize that we've kind of come to terms that I had to part ways with somebody. And it was a really, really, I, I remember losing sleep for like a week leading up to this. And in the moment when I finally had that conversation and it happened, this person as the conversation was coming to an end, he went into the break room and he pulled this sign off the wall that I had. And the sign said, this is family. And I had all these pictures of all our team members and it said, this is family. And it was laminated. He pulled it off the wall and he walked into the office and he held it up right in my face. And he said, you call this family? Is this what you would do to your family? Jeez. And, and he threw it on the ground and walked out. And it was so tough. And I mean, you could tell like to this day, like I, I still think about it every time that we have an accountability situation, the team members are looking at me saying, you said that I was your family. How can you do this to me? It's tough running a business 
and calling it family, saying this we're a team that feels like family in a place that feels like home. And if you're listening to this, you may have up to now gone, you know, this sounds like it sounds like cool stuff and it sounds all touchy feely and it's good. But what happens when you actually have to run a business and get results? I almost quit believing in this stuff at one point. And it was the toughest time in this journey where, you know, we have to stand for something now. We're standing for this team, this family, this culture. And in order to stand for it, you have to have some values. You have to know who you are and have these values that you stand for. And the values that I had set in place weren't being lived up to. And I could no longer stand by and just accept it. And I knew that I had to hold a lot of people accountable. And I was, it was heart-wrenching again. And I just said, I don't know why I care so much. I don't know why. Like, is it even worth it? Is it worth it? Is this, is this building a great culture? And is it even worth it that I have to deal with you know, these ridiculously high expectations? And maybe my expectations are just too high. Maybe my expectations for a place where everybody loves their job. Maybe that's impossible. And I just told, you know, you, you remember this. I told my leadership team, maybe I should just stop expecting that that will ever happen. We told you you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was something like you can't do that because we're counting on you. And that was a, I mean, it was a dark time. But the light at the end of it was, I owe this to you. I owe this to my leadership team. I have to stand for something. The fact of the matter is my best people and the people that are holding up this business, they don't work for a paycheck. They work for me and they stay with me because they believe what I believe. And I'm holding that flag out, out in front and they're following me because of the journey and because of the vision. And the moment that I get so defeated where I just say, you know, is it worth it? Maybe I should just put this down. If I stop believing, if I stop, you know, holding people accountable then I will lose the best people in my business. So I would tell you this is true. If you own a business, if you run a business, there are things that you believe in and you have to hold people accountable to them. And if you don't, you will probably lose the best people you have because I've felt that. I've, I've crossed that road and, and felt like if I don't, I have, I either side with the people that are violating core values or I side with my leaders and I'm here for them because they're here for me. Yeah. If you put the flag down, what, what do we do then? And everything, like you said, like we believe in you, we believe in this. And so if you, like if all of a sudden the leader of the business didn't, everything that we knew, like it becomes a lie for us. So you're exactly right. So we'll wrap this episode up at the end and we'll talk about some of the tougher things, but I do want to switch gears and talk about some of the lighter things we do on the accountability side that actually are day to day and they're fun. The first thing that we'll talk about is attaching names to things that matter. And this and is all over the business. This is all, if you come visit the business everywhere, there's signatures, signatures all over the place. And the story starts like this. There's a box of soda and somebody put the wrong box. They put the regular on the diet or the, the other way around. And it's a big process because in, in order to fix that, you have to drain all the syrup out of the lines. And it's such a mess. Takes forever. Takes forever. And it costs a lot of money. And this was happening like every other day. We trained everybody. Everybody knew how to do it. Why is this still happening? I can't control what they do. Here's the one thing I'll control. They have to write their initials on the box. As long as everyone was initialing the boxes, at least I would know if they did it wrong, I would know who did it. Sure enough, a month later, all the boxes had initials on them. 
and the problem stopped. The principle was that when people have to put their name on it, they actually take more ownership in it. And it was like this fascinating thing that as long as the signatures were on the boxes, they would get it right. But all of a sudden, six months later, we get one wrong and the flavor's all messed up. You go back to the box, guess what? No initials. So now we just have to count are all the initials on there. And so as long as we can control the initials, the product is actually a better product. So go over to another situation a couple years later. We have closing crew and opening crew. If you've ever been in a business where you have a closing crew and an opening crew, you know that there are things that they blame on each other naturally. Like, oh, this closing crew never stocks, or this opening crew never cleans, or there's always these things that they blame on each other. Well, we were in a situation in a season where there was a lot of things being blamed on a lot of people yeah. to the point where leaders were kind of getting at each other's throats, and it was like becoming pretty specific, like this leader always, well, that leader never. And, you know, the, the fact is, when you have to stock an area... It's not the leader who stocks it. It's the team member. And so I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We came up with a spreadsheet that says everybody at the end of the night has to sign their name and what they did. So this area was closed by this person. This area was closed by this person. And there's leaders and team members. Leaders and everybody at the end of the night is basically going to sign their name on something. So the next morning, if that thing didn't get done, it wasn't closing crew or it wasn't that leader. It was that team member. And we could hold that team member directly accountable. And it helped so much because, well, guess what? If that team member had problems continuously, we knew that the problem was a team member problem and it wasn't closing crew or leadership or anything like that. So it's, it's really good to be able to hold someone accountable to that's the job you did. And that spreadsheet, that list of all the names is in my office. So at the end of the night, when you finish, say, cleaning Playland, you have to walk into my office, sign your name next to Playland. If it's not good, your name's next to it, and it's in my office. So I like to tell people that the moment you start attaching people's names to their work, you're going to get a better product. That being said, if you're going to make them sign and put their name to it, it's got to be something that somebody is responsible for checking as well. So the next morning when people come in, they check to make sure all those boxes are filled in. So they're making sure that the people who signed for the work are also getting recognized for having done the work. Yeah. So there's like a second tier of accountability because just because they sign their name, if nobody's actually going back and looking at it, then there is no accountability. Yeah. It's, and as soon as they realize like, oh, I can initial, but my initial doesn't mean anything. That system is something you're going to have to kind of reevaluate and make it important again. We started doing this with another thing, lemon juicing. We juice up to 10 cases a day. And if the product isn't juiced well, we lose a lot of money every single day. So what we do is we just say, hey, this is, you have to put your name and how many quarts you started with, how many quarts you got. And so you have a yield. So everyone attaches their name to the yield. So if we're going down the list and we notice that a certain person always gets a low yield, we should say, we probably shouldn't have that person juice anymore because it's costing us a lot of money. Same way around, if there's somebody who gets really good yield, like... Something worth celebrating. Yes. So... So... We eventually said, why don't we crown a champion for the highest yield? <laughs> and what did you decide to name the champion? I, I had some help in coming up with <laughs> names, but I, I consulted somebody who used to work for me, who was always good at coming up with names. And so we came up with a bunch of different names, and we landed on the Sultan of Citrus. 
So it's a good name. When you have data, when you have people's names attached to their work, you automatically have an opportunity to celebrate the good things. And like the Heath brothers say in the book Switch, we can shine the light on the bright spots. That's the benefit of keeping track of people's names, people's work, is you can kind of say like, hey, here's where it should be. But if you take all that away, then you're getting the least amount of work that the team member wants to give you. And it will vary by every team member. Yeah, so we have the crowned champion, but then we also just have a day, like day-to-day yield. And the cool thing about whether it's the human brain or competitive nature is, you know, it, you're staring at the wall while you're juicing and you're reading everybody's scores, everybody's names. So you're naturally ranking yourself. So even in that one moment, you know, you're not going to, you know, maybe be the champion today because the lemons were too small or something like that. But you can know just in your head, oh, I'm better than so-and-so. I'm worse than so-and-so. I need to get a little bit better to take the crown. But yeah. We'll naturally do that. Accuracy is also really important to us. I think accuracy is probably important in any business, uh, making sure that the customer is getting what they pay for. So we had a, a situation where accuracy issues started to rise, and we said, what if we attached every accuracy issue? We attached a name to that. So it sounds cumbersome, and actually it is cumbersome. It's really cumbersome. But <laughs> every time that there's an issue, we go in and we look it up on our cameras and we find exactly who the leader was, who the bagger was. And where it all went wrong. Everybody who touched that product. And we make sure that everybody knows that, you know, you didn't double check it. You bagged it wrong. You, you know, you actually made that error. And it's all signatures. And we have people visit. And they always ask, why not Jolt? Why not, you know, all these different things that are There's like all Google like the forms. technologies out there right now. You can paperless. All of this can be paperless. And there are businesses where they pride themselves on, hey, this is all paperless. And we, we tried that. Like we. We did. And we stopped. <laughs> we went back to signatures because there is something about your own signature, about your own handwriting, that you take more responsibility when your own name, your own signature is on that. And when you, all you do is you press a button on an iPad, like submit or whatever. Like it's choosing your name from the scroll down list. It's so much easier to not take it serious. Number two, the next one is relentless accountability to system execution. I wanted to quote you saying that, but I decided against it. But you say this all the time. If I say it a lot, it must be important, right? So uh, it's important to me. But here's a, let me tell you this story about, I had a situation, we have a checklist, like a midday checklist. And so at the middle of the day, all the, before everybody leaves at 2.30, they have to stock everything. One day I I looked at like three o'clock and there's this area that wasn't stocked. And I said, why didn't it get stocked? It's 2.30, those those should be stocked. So I looked at the checklist and I saw someone's name. So I I called that person. I say, hey, you were supposed to have stocked this. Did you not stock it? And he said, no, I, I didn't. That wasn't my job. I said, well, your name's on the list. He goes, I didn't sign my name. Who signed your name? I don't know. It wasn't me. So apparently what happened was the leader said, can you do this? And so he went over there and then he got called somewhere else. Well, she knew that he went over there. So she just wrote his name down. And so at the end, it didn't get done. It fell through the cracks. And obviously I got frustrated. So we came up with a new rule that just says everybody signs their own name. You're not allowed to sign anyone else's name. Because again, there's something sacred about your own name and your own work. And when somebody else signs it for you, then it just kind of devalues the whole system. Along with that, if we have a system and we're going to run that checklist today, every line has to be filled. So there was a checklist that we had that was a morning checklist at one point. 
And on that checklist, this is in the early days, but we used to make balloons. We used to make like 25 balloons in the morning for all the kids. Huh. And at lunchtime, we would, they would, we would give away these balloons. Well, as the business got busier. You couldn't even imagine today. <laughs> yeah. As the business got busy, we had about 25 employees at the time. And so it was like, we're going to give away balloons every day. And hopefully people will want to come back because we have these balloons. You know, <laughs> and the kids will remember that balloon they got. But on the busy days, the balloons weren't there. And I said, Did, what happened to the balloons? And they would say, oh, we were just too busy. Okay, okay. And then again, we were too busy. And then we got to the point where like every day, it was like we we're too busy for balloons. And I think at one point I said, you know, you all go to Disneyland. What if Disneyland said, oh, we, we didn't set up the fireworks tonight. We were too busy, <laughs> you know? And these things mean a lot to the kids. And so the, the bigger picture here was the team had decided that if it was too busy, we could leave things off the checklist. Well, guess what? It's always going to be too busy. If they start to think it's okay to leave one thing off the checklist, what they're going to leave off is the most difficult thing always. But also, you'll if start they to leave find one thing if, off. If they leave one thing off, they're going to leave other things off. And why eventually, not why not a whole checklist? <laughs> a closing checklist, you know? And so we've actually seen that too, where, Absolutely. where uh, you know, the checklist, where's the closing checklist? Oh, we haven't done that in a few months, you know? What? That's pretty important. Uh, that was on us for not it, checking the checking. We didn't check the checklist. <laughs> it, it all comes down to every line on there must be sacred, must be filled out. And if it's not getting filled out, I ask why. And I say, you know, is it something that's irrelevant? But if it's not relevant anymore, remove it so that, again, every line is sacred. I would say that with any checklist you have, audit those. And so we do monthly. They are audited, not by me, by your sister, Leah, at the Hidden Valley store audits those she does a great job of making sure that every single system we have she goes down and make sure that all the signatures are being done if they're not then let's have a conversation about why do we need to change the checklist or do we just need to hold people more accountable to their work so all of those it sounds really tedious but i'll be honest with you i have had people that used to work for me work somewhere else and say man it's so disorganized i can't stand it like and they've even said I always kind of hated how we do all those checklists, but at least we knew everything got done because man, it's, it's stressful and it's frustrating when you're in the middle of lunch and you're running out of everything because we never stopped. I guess the reason I say relentless accountability is, is because like, you know, all these checklists, they're there for a reason and they matter. And like you said, you go through our store, there's checklists everywhere, but each one of them, if you take it away, you know, the, whether it's accuracy or, or food safety or quality, like immediately we'll see the difference so it's these things are so important but we've only talked about two things on those which is signing your own name and then making sure every line but i'm sure we have like a ton more things that we just naturally do with all of our systems and all of our checklists but those are i love systems obviously that's yeah it. and as soon as you let up that's when you start seeing those things start to fall so and again it sounds tedious but this is the foundation of our culture it really is so. yeah even on the culture side if i stopped doing the outing checklist, like something on, you know, the family side or something. Yeah. Totally unrelated to how the business flows, but that falls through the cracks. So yeah. it literally is the foundation for all of it. The next area is accountability within the first 30 days. Now we set up a 30 day review for that reason, because we found like a lot of the things that could go wrong, go wrong within the first 30 days. And typically, this is probably any business, if you've had a situation like six months, you end up having to let someone go, you could ask the employer, 
did you see that at the beginning? They're like, oh, yeah, I saw it right from the beginning. And it's like, if, you know, if we knew it from the beginning, why didn't we do anything? So we set that up specifically. 30 days in, it's a review, and it's a good time to sit down and say, these are three things that you do very well. These are two things that you could work on. And sometimes it's really easy to come up with three things they do well. But sometimes it's kind of difficult. You kind of have to say like, well, they have a good smile or they have, you know, and you kind of start to come to the realization through that conversation of maybe this person isn't cut out for the job. Yeah, they're a good person. but We've had team members come in that were just, they were young and this job was just overwhelming and it was way over their head. Uh, so we also do what's called a training guide. This is just in the last year we, we came up with this training guide and this was kind of a joint effort. When somebody does something wrong, they say, you know, and you go up to them and say like, why did who taught you how to do that? And they say, I don't know. That's just how I was taught. You know, I don't know. That's how I've always done it. That's how I learned. That's how I learned. And so we realized like you have one chance to teach someone and for the rest of their time here, they will say, that's how I was taught. Yeah, they can get to the 30-day review. And part of it was on us because so that was how they were taught. We have to make sure that, I mean, sometimes you get trained by an amazing person. And sometimes, for whatever reason, they're here for training. And that amazing person isn't here. And we just say, hey, can you Please. teach them how to do drive through?" So now it's like, can you teach them how to do drive through? Here's your guide. And so every single role we have has a guide that shows this is exactly what you need to say, how you need to respond, your demeanor, your sense of urgency, all these things. So we can make sure that no matter who trains them, they're trained right the first time. And they get it signed off. And there is signatures, <laughs> lest we forget. And so if somebody like six months in say, who taught you that? You know, that's how I was. I don't know. That's just how I was taught. I'm in their file. Okay, in the file. <laughs> we know exactly who taught them. And then we can sit down with that person and say, is, did you teach this? I would never have you taught. That. Uh, so anyway, that's, yeah, who else have you taught? <laughs> so it's pretty cool. It's, it's actually, we're able to, to, if something goes wrong, if they're making milkshakes wrong or whatever, we can go back to, this is exactly who taught them to make that milkshake. And we can find out like, is this the team member? Did you just make this up? Did you, are you making your own <laughs> rules up or we, we have a trainer who's making their own rules up, but we can, it's really cool to be able to track those down. The last one is accountability to critical success factors. Now, a critical success factor are the things in the business that... Make it or break it. Make it or break it. So profitability, retention, culture, sales, these are big, big, big things. And we have to make sure that we have metrics on these and the metrics are being met. And if they're not, what are we going to do about it? So we have like food costs, labor costs, customer scores, culture. There's expectations on all of those. So we did this thing a long time ago, many years ago, and our customer scores were suffering. We were going through a season that they weren't doing well. We said, let's do a survey for a sense of urgency for you know these areas, and we'll survey the whole team. The leaders will say, these are the people that were good. These are the people that were so-so. And then we'll have a whole leaderboard, and we'll take all that data. And this is the tough part. I put it on the break room wall. Oh, my gosh. So overnight, all the team members got to see who was on the top, who was on the bottom, ranked by their peers. And I mean, like, this is early in the business, me thinking like, well, you don't want to be at the bottom. Well, don't be at the bottom. <laughs> be better. And 
I will say it was very counterproductive. <laughs> so I think within like a, like every month or every quarter we were doing them and I would put the next one on the wall and there were certain people that were just like, you know, the like the Enneagram threes who are like, they're always going to fight. Like I'm going to be that top one. And so you, you had those always at the top and then the people at the bottom that would just, their hearts would be broken. And I think somebody told me one time that some, that there were girls in the break room that were crying because oh of goodness. the survey data. And I was like, okay, this, this can't be helping our customer service scores. So since then we have refined the process, but we do have seasons that we go through where our results suffer in customer service. And we do take surveys, but we have personal conversations and we sit down with, with team members and we have to have those. Those are tough. Anytime we have crucial conversations, that's the worst thing I have to do. That's the worst thing you have to do. Absolutely. It would be better if all our customer service scores were just amazing all the time. And we never had to deal with this. There are some people who can get great results without having any team, family, culture, all of that. That's cool. But at the end of the day, you know, what do you stand for? At the same time, there are people out there that are all about family, all about, you know, these Fun great, and- great things. But if you don't run an excellent business... At the end of the day, what do you stand for? We have to have both. Business is tough. Running a great business and running a great culture, very tough. I will say like it is so fulfilling, so fulfilling, but it also can be stressful to hold people accountable when you love these people. You love this job. You love the team. There are so many times where I just say like, this is the team I want. I wish I could have this team forever and nobody would go anywhere. And then all of a sudden... Somebody says, whoa, look at these scores. They're horrible. What are we going to do about it? Oh, man. Can't we just like hug our way out of this? (laughs) Can't we smile our way out of this and and do outings and have fun and, and just fix it by outings? But you can't. There are times where you have to have tough conversations. And I will tell you, like for as amazing as this is, love works here. It's awesome. It's amazing. But it creates times that it's really, really tough. And I've had to, you know, part ways with people that I loved and that I still love. But I've been put here to run a good business. And that's, I will do my best to do that. So for me, that was one of the lessons that I had to learn early on in leadership was hold them accountable to those small things. Like you said, relentless accountability. Like right then when you see it, hold them accountable because you're not doing anybody any favors by letting it go unchecked and letting them do their own thing and get closer and closer to that line that they weren't supposed to cross and then watching them cross it, having to part ways when you didn't say anything the whole time they were going towards it. Yeah. Like that's on you at that point. If you're a business owner or you lead the business I can't tell you how beneficial it is to have your principles outlined, your, your personal principles, your personal core values that you stand for. For me, personally, influence, excellence, harmony, and growth. Those are things, and I'll share those on our Instagram, at loveworkshere. It's, I'm holding a frame. I think your brother took the picture of me in the <laughs> dining room. You did a good room. job. These are things that I have to make sure I have to hold my leaders to. Because the worst thing that can happen is, you know, I end up in a situation where I have to part ways with somebody and they never saw it coming. And it's horrible. So we have every leader memorize these principles. And the goal is, this is tough because you can't, I mean, you you can't constantly know what, what someone memorized, what's in their head. But the goal is that they know them well enough to when they see it violated in the business, 
they go, oh my goodness, like that's a violation of, you know, Sean would not like that because I know what his, you know, top four things are. So it's important for them to know it. If, I mean, I would say for many years, for like 10 years, these weren't articulated anywhere. You know, those were just hot button things. You call them hot buttons, man, don't do that. And you know, that's, that'll push Sean's buttons, you know, but now they're on the wall. If you want to know what they are and you want to avoid them like the plague, like here they are, like make sure you follow these because, you know, like it will at like a really deep level, it, you know, it will affect our relationship if you start to cross these lines. So uh, read those on the Instagram. They're, they're pretty descriptive. Um, I try to make them simple, but also descriptive. But they're things that just mean a lot to me. And then to that, our core values. We posted our core values on the, last, on the Instagram on the last episode, but you can read through those. But those are also important. We have all the team. They go through them in orientation, right? They even go through them at the third interview. Third, so before oh, they're even officially before hired. they're even a team member, they talk through our core values. And they tell me which one they would be most and least like, or no, most likely to violate. Oh, really? Yes, they do. Do you record that information? I circle it on their application. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, it's important to have those core values. And like, again, we talked about in the last episode, but that they resonate with the team so that if they resonate with the team, if these are core values that matter to the team, they're far more likely to when they see them violated by a team member, go like, oh my goodness, that's one of our core values. We don't do that. You know, we don't violate that. So very important part of accountability is articulating these core values. And as the owner of the business, the principles that I stand by, that the team knows what these are. So they don't come out of left field. The better they are articulated and the clearer they are and the better they are posted, the more likely that your, your team has a fighting chance of, you know, longevity in the business. So this has been the episode all about accountability. And this podcast is, it's fun. We're having fun. We are having fun. But, but it is, there is some serious accountability on our shoulders to run the kind of business that we talk about. I guess we should shout out to our team members because some of them are actually listening. Yes. And we are really appreciative guys. Yeah. Thank you. Give us a five on the, (laughs) Hey, don't don't exploit them. Yeah. We could, we could be getting so many ratings. <laughs> There's like 180 of them. Of your, it's part of your job. Okay, this is... We I didn't mean say that. that. No, we'll probably okay. cut this. Totally. Okay. But don't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much again for tuning into this. Um, if you've learned something here or something is of value, please let us know in the podcast reviews. That helps us. Like Hannah was saying, this podcast was suggested to somebody because of the relevancy because of who likes it and who reviews it so that was wild but super cool we really appreciate the ratings and the reviews and, and just all of you guys yeah for being here along with us uh we grew by i don't know this is 2000 listeners is that now. bragging i don't know i don't like i don't know what's is that even gonna, a lot we don't know <laughs> I, but i know that i've spoken in front of groups and the most people i've ever spoken in front of was like 300 for like leadership talk so to know that I'm talking to more than 300 is, is crazy. Pretty mind-blowing. So thank you for sharing this, and thank you for everything that you've done to, to just share this message. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to Hannah, and we hope that we can inspire you to create a place where everyone loves their job. So thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves, and be well. Mm-hmm.